Get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast, another instant reaction podcast coming to you live in the wake of Parramatta's round 24 loss to the Brisbane Broncos. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. And uh, joining me to, I suppose, almost close the book on Parramatta's season, technically not dead on Mathematics 60s, uh, with two games in hand still, but with the four and against blow that we were dealt today by the Broncos and that 54-10 to 10 loss, I think it's fair to say that the uh, death rights have been handed to us or put on us tonight. Mate, I wrote the autopsy. Well, I started writing the autopsy before on the Eels season. Only thing I can say, mate, is that I'd like you to put the timer on right now because we saw 20 minutes of the Eels having a crack tonight. So we'll give them 20 minutes of a podcast. I reckon that's about what, what we should be putting in here. We might end up digging a little bit deeper as we all want to do with our uh, verbose ramblings, but I don't think that's an unfair qualifier for this podcast. So let's get right in. And thank our sponsors first. I'm not sure they want to be mentioned in the same breath as Eels this week, but still, shout-outs to Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellon, and Parramatta, who, unlike our Eels this year, have been there every week for us. Uh, so, yeah, much thanks to those two uh, sponsors for helping us bring the tip sheet to you guys every episode. All right, we're on the clock, 60, so let's get into it. Parramatta Eels, 10 going down to the Brisbane Broncos, 54. Sean Russell, Dylan Brown, the two try scorers. Quentin Gufferson having the two cracks at goal because... Mitchell Moses had, I believe, a fractured cheekbone, so yay for us. More carnage come out of this season. Gufferson going one from two off the tee. For the Broncos, it was a procession of try scorers, starting with Adam Reynolds, Billy Walters, Dean Mariner, who bagged a double, Herbie Farnworth, Ezra Mam, uh, Billy Walters, Kurt Capewell, and Reese Walsh. Reynolds, eight from nine off the tee, and a penalty goal tacked on to make it a 1,000 career goals, so a nice night for him at the very least. Uh, as you'd expect, Broncos dominated possession, 57% in their favour. Time of possession, plus six and a half minutes. Both teams in the mid-70s for completion rates. Uh, Broncos just dominating the Eels in attacking stats. 12 line breaks to three, 46 tackle breaks to 25. Average set distance, actually not that much more when um, all things are considered, which is a bit of a surprise. Faster play the ball speeds, more offloads. Uh, better kick defusal, though. Both teams are pretty ordering in that regard tonight. Two 40-20s. Uh, Quinton Gufferson saved one, but then got absolutely uh, styled on, I think, with Reese Walsh and Andrew Reynolds in the next two. Uh, both teams very poor defensively. I mean, Parramatta, again, better than their opponents in the, in the effective tackle rate some way, somehow. 83.08% for the Eels, 82.73% for the Broncos. They didn't, they barely yeah, made... but if, you, if you're not actually making a tackle, you can't miss one, Yeah, that, that's you? true, but the Broncos only made 206 tackles in this game and they missed uh, a combined or missed an ineffective combined 43, which is what contributed to their terrible rate because that is a, that is a very subpar NRL rate in general. Uh, both teams made 11 errors. Eels conceded more penalties and more ruck infringements and inside tens. Uh, and the well, Eels, that's Adam G, isn't it? Yes, uh, very much so. And uh, there was a uh, one early in the game on Ryan Madison that led to, a, I think, was it the opening try that I thought yeah, was absolutely it was, horrendous. It, it, uh, yeah, that, just, it was uh, a normal just tackle normal. that just got a random six again on the last out of nowhere. Uh, but, yeah, that didn't contribute to the other uh, 48 points. That no, scored. no, no. Bas- basically what it did was it exposed our complete lack of resilience early mm-hmm. because 
it, it was a bad call. It went against us. And what did we do? Drop From that heads. moment, we capitulated. We yeah. capitulated. Mate, yeah, I, I said to you before, you might have to get the dump button ready for <laughs> what I want to say tonight. Because I tell you what, the expletives are ready to flow. And I know we have a, a reasonably family-friendly podcast here. But... <laughs> Mate, that yeah. that was it was a disgrace. It was embarrassing. You come into this game, you know your season's on the line. You know you need to have this win with reinforcements back next week in Reg and Mikasivo. And then you go out there and like you said, sixties, twenty minutes of competitive football and then you just wilted. Like just wilted and the, the non efforts, the absolute brain fades. I don't know what Bailey Simonson was thinking when he threw one of the most ridiculous crossfield passes I've ever seen. That led the to dumb a... was the dumb was strong with a lot of uh, different plays tonight, mate. Mm-hmm. I mean that that moment took the cake. But, but uh, you know, Will Persini, who, who I've been rapping massively, had a terrible defensive only, read. Yeah, it, look, it wasn't the only dumb play tonight. There was fumbling and bumbling, and like it was almost like we couldn't even get out of our own way in some plays tonight. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it was. It was amateur hour out there. That's it a, was absolute amateur hour. Mate, that's a that's a knock on my old show. The amateur hour was actually pretty uh, high quality. Come on, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the it, it is just we we've mentioned it in some of the other recent losses about how in a way they were the sort of the culmination of all the chicks and problems coming home to roost for the Eels this year. But th- that is so true for tonight. You know, a, a complete lack of depth in the roster, uh, you know, especially in that back line. You know, guys like Bowie Simonson, Sean Russell, uh, I, I am completely fine with them being the uh, sort of weakest player in a NRL back line for us. But the reality is that they're they're sort of like our first big guys. And that just shows you that with Mike Acevo out, a player who has been lambasted from pillar to post this year for his struggles, look what how much the back line has collapsed in his absence. And, you know, he's playing at a league average level, you know, based on our criticisms this year. And suddenly we just, we got nothing behind him. Uh, as I, mate, as I said, as I wrote before, the Eels have seven outside backs in the top 30 roster. Seven. Seven specialist outside backs. And I'm writing further on the topic this this coming week. I'm I'm bringing forward one of the parts. I'm going a little bit of, out of sequence to what I'd planned on. As a matter of fact, the the effort tonight may have made at least one part that I was writing that I'm two thirds of the way through completely obsolete because um, it will make it look like an excuse. The post looked like it, 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 there's no other way of reading it after an effort like tonight because you can't talk about some of the things that I wanted to talk about in that part, and uh, because it it takes the focus away from what we should be looking at tonight, which was a substandard performance for a team that no longer has any answers, as you said. We we go we drop down one or two players, and all of a sudden it's capitulation time. Absolute capitulation. I mean, look, the Broncos are a really good team. They are a cracking hot team, and 
what's interesting too with the Broncos is that they've introduced one major player this year and look at the difference it's made to their team. I mean, mean, they had a lot, they've always had a lot of problems, but Reese Walsh comes into the team and he electrifies them. Yeah, and look, that that is the only way you can describe what Reese Walsh is and it is electrifying. He just has scintillating pace, the ability to change direction on a dime and can, you know, kick and pass among the better fullbacks and the best fullbacks in the competition. We saw the full suite of skills tonight with a 40-20, his first career 40-20, alongside a whole host of line break and try assists based on his ball playing. And, you know, we, we've spoken about it in the past. Like, obviously, Quentin Gufson does a lot of amazing things for the Parramatta Reels, uh, but the, he just cannot do some of the stuff that Reese Walsh does. And, you know, that, that was pretty apparent tonight. Uh, but, again, it's not... I don't think the fullbacks were objectively the only difference in the two teams. Uh, there was a lot of other areas in which the Broncos completely ran us off the park. Uh, you know, we, we let our, their forward pack get the ascendancy in the ruck. Even though the average set distance between the two teams was actually quite close uh, in terms of the ruck speed, the Broncos had it all over us. I mean, Billy Walt was able to run uh, run right against us, and you know, the try he scored was pretty soft. I don't think there's any any uh, that, that's as nice as I can put it. I think sixties is uh, calling it pretty soft. Uh, Lussick and Madison getting stepped there after Gufferson vacated the second marker spot to try and get back the fullback. Um, yeah, it's. It is very difficult to. I mean, I'm very good. I don't think it is possible to salvage anything from this game. Like to their credit, the Eels didn't, you know, get shut out. They scored a couple of tries once Mitchell Moses had gone off at halftime with that fractured cheekbone or suspected fractured cheekbone, uh, and you know they were able to hit back a bit. But yeah, it's it is very difficult to be optimistic moving forwards because while me and you are very bullish on the SG Ball Premiership winning team that we have. This year, the under-19s, a lot of whom, or most of whom, are now in the uh, jersey flag looking real sharp. The reality is that they're not going to be ready for 2024. You know, unless, oh, no, no, unless no, someone I, has a miracle I, I preseason. To, I, I, I don't want to preempt what people are going to read in my next part, but I'm going to present some harsh realities to people. What we had earlier this season, when there were some losses, was we were seeing some resilience Tonight, we didn't see any resilience whatsoever. And it makes me question where their headspace is at because you need first-grade footballers have better headspace than that. They really do because you mentioned before the season was on the line and we got 20 minutes out of them. That was it. 20 20 minutes of resilience. And we said before that it was an awful call that came from uh, Adam G with that six-again call that preempted the first try from the Broncos. But all that did was, as I said, highlight the lack of resilience from that point onwards. So right now, we... I mean, I look at this and I go, what a way to end a season. I mean, maybe it's, the, maybe it's for the best that they end the season like this. Maybe this really puts the exclamation point on just where things are at as far as the roster is concerned. And, the re- and, and I, I guess the other thing too, John, is were there be, to be some fluke where the Eels were to qualify for finals football, based on what we've seen when they've come up against other contenders in recent weeks, 
what what would we expect from them in a finals match this year? Oh, 100%. I mean, we know that the ceiling of this team at their very best is still very high. We've seen that in some of their top performances this year, but the reality is that they haven't been on that sort of pace for a while now. And, yeah. you know, you, you're not going to be full strength for the finals. Sean Lane, if he is healthy, will be incredibly underdone. And we know that an underdone Sean Lane is a liability. You know, he comes in and he's going to miss his tackles. He's going to drop the ball. He's going to be making those mistakes when you come without that match conditioning. Uh, so, yeah, like you said, you'd be making up the numbers at best, I think. And, yeah, but the problem again, and I know, I know you're going to write about this, that what changes next year? You know, the squad will be healthier again and there hopefully be less suspensions and that's going to help. Uh, but the reality is there was always talk about finding an X-Factor player this year and that just evaporated into the ether. You know, we, we are the same team that we were in round three, except that we added, you know, a, a dummy half because Josh Hodgson has a potentially career-ending, uh, what, what it should be a career-ending neck injury. Uh, we picked up a back rower and uh, we picked up a middle forward from the Tigers in Joe Fungahe. Like, we just, we haven't made... It doesn't need to be seismic, but we just haven't been able to really tack on to the squad to push us over the line, to make us, you know, a real championship-caliber team. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating because like, it feels like when you assemble the team that we had, uh, you know, across 2019 to 2021 into 2022, uh, that's when you really need to, you know, be bold, be brash, and, and make the move that can win you the premiership. And at no point did we really commit to that. Yeah, it's, and, and that's very straightforward. It, it's exactly what has happened. And at some point, the Eels had to pull the trigger and and do better in that regard, and we haven't. And that's the point that we've been trying to make on the Cumberland throw, and we have to stick by it. I mean, I, starting off tonight's podcast... I was feeling really harsh about what I was seeing out on the field. And I'm perhaps levelling a lot of a lot of blame at the blokes that are out there on the field. They've taken a pummeling this year in terms of what has happened what has happened during the season in that uh, you know, injury suspension, um, a tough draw. All that sort of stuff, right? We we acknowledge we'll acknowledge that. But we'll also acknowledge that there's there's been players that have had to come up in the grade, and there's maybe players that have been playing had had time in first grade ahead of when they should have, or maybe their form had had been struggling, and maybe they wouldn't have been in first grade if there was. Uh, people that were of other people that were available and and that's not a knock on on players because you know the blokes will the blokes will go out there and and do the best that they possibly can but it was almost like tonight was such a bridge too far and mentally they they weren't up to lifting they just weren't up to lifting at all and we saw as I said, the resilience level was just low. It was just really, really low. And I mean, what 
what can you say in that regard? I mean, it's almost like a, a do you if if the roster is shallow, how much can you apportion blame in a season to the players? Do you know what I mean? It's like look we can critical of the we can be you can be critical of players it's, and individual performances and things like that. It's simultaneously as, as, a simple and a complex answer, isn't it? Where the players have absolutely let themselves down in their actions on and off the field. We've spoken about that, about suspensions uh, being handed out by both the uh, integrity unit and the judiciary, uh, and as well as you know actual on-field stuff too. Uh, but on the same side, yeah, and roster building perspective, um, you know, from cup uh, from NRL right through to cup. We're not on the pace. You know, our, our cup team has been calling on puck footballs. It's not good enough. Our NRL team just hasn't got the depth. The top 30 was a top 25 or top 24 coming into the season. Like, you, you cannot be pushing for a title with that sort of roster depth. And we, we just got it wrong. And like like we are saying, some of it's, you know, stuff you level at the players, but there's also plenty that you level elsewhere. And, yeah, the Eels... I mean, and the other thing too that we haven't spoken about, but it's a World Cup year and that was where our, our issues really piled up last time around, which led to the review back in 2018. Uh, for whatever reason, we don't seem to handle World Cup pre-seasons very well, um, not as well as other teams, and that's frustrating, but it looks like it's a bit of a pattern now. Um, but, yeah. I, I'm certainly not uh, pessimistic about next year, but I'm also not optimistic um, it, you know, weirdly, I'm sort of in that, not, I wouldn't call it zen, but I'm kind of like, well, we're going to be treading water. And I suppose that's reasons for pessimism for plenty of people. But, you know, we, we know that there are more wins to squeeze out of the team if everyone's healthy and available. But at the same time, it feels like you're getting back to the finals without the personnel to get you over the finishing line. Yeah, well, mate, uh, I'm really struggling to be coherent as I'd like to be in my thoughts tonight I, I apologise to listeners if it's it's been a bit of a well we use this term to describe Phil Gould with his, uh, his signings that he has for the Bulldogs but I feel like my, re, my instant reaction tonight has been almost scattergun in that I'm, I'm looking for something to say I'm looking for, for somewhere to apportion blame and I, I, I can't focus right now. It, I feel like that that was the sort of result where it's hard to know where to where to begin and end because there is so much that's gone wrong now that seems to be manifesting in the back end of the season that a lot of people are sending through messages, which is. Um, you know, like that's let's just call it quits now, uh, sort of thing. That's that's it. End of season. Um, you know, nothing more to be said. Well, unfortunately, um, I mean, maybe we can feel that way as supporters, but we can't afford for the club to feel that way. The, I mean, the club has to be looking at where things are at right now and be really genuine and honest about 
whether we put ourselves in the best position to have a a good follow-up season to last year or not. Mm -hmm. And I think they know what the answer is. They really do. I mean, it, look, it's been a, it's been a tough year for uh, many reasons. Some of which I'd, I've already detailed in, in that series, and some of which I, I feel that I want to skip over now. As I said, because it it feels more like an excuse than a reason for the season that we've had. But when it comes down to it, the the club, the the people that make the decisions in the club are the only ones that can determine whether things improve or not. And we, as supporters, have to rely on them getting it right. They can't afford to get it wrong again going into next year. I think we have. there has to be a point where they bite... <coughs> excuse me, they bite the bullet when it comes to decisions that are made, especially about recruitment, because we've, I mean, we, we've had this before, like in, in 2017, in making the finals, we squeezed the lemon dry. And then we had an awful season in 2018. And then in 2019, there were key targeted recruits. And I remember back then, like one of the one of the big problems coming out of 2018 was we made no yardage from the back, and they went out and got two big wingers in Mike Acevo and Blake Ferguson, and immediately got big meters out of both of them. Now we know Acevo hasn't been able to reproduce that all these years down the track. We wanted him to get better. He hasn't got better over the years. It's it's arguable that he has, uh, you know, far less effectiveness nowadays than he did in his first season in 2019. But we we went out there, we made uh, those recruits. I think from memory, was that also uh, 2019? Was that also Sean Lane's first year? Yeah, I believe it was. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so look, and uh, we bought uh, Junior back, or was it Reg? I'm trying to think we uh, who we added in 2019, but we added uh, four uh, key forwards. We added the uh, the two big wings uh, because that was where uh, you know, we we just weren't getting that yardage. We were always on the back foot. This year, I think it's it's pretty easy to see that we're probably we're probably you know one we're maybe one middle short. Although it's hard to tell, I, I think. We're probably going to get more out of Joe Offingawi with a preseason under his belt with with us, but we can't go into next year with the backline stocks as they are. That's just a no-brainer, and I know we're we're doing more than just reacting to a bad loss right now. And we've probably gone past the twenty minutes that we planned to put in, but uh, I mean the reality is that it's that's a loss that really has probably rocked a lot of ill supporters to the core. And judging on 
there's so much emotion that's been in messages that people have been sending me, sending to me. Like you know, I, I'm getting a lot of DMs being sent to me, and and people are are essentially a hundred percent emotion right now. And it's, I mean, that's that's understandable. Um, I, I may be starting to come down from that emotion right now, but. Uh, I think at the start of the podcast, it was obvious that it, it was hard for me to think straight. That's how upset I was with the performance that we just witnessed. So, um, I don't know, John, I mean, is it, is it is it worth us digging any deeper right now or do we just wrap things up and go, you know what, that, that was awful, um, season over? Well, the reality is we're probably going to be without Moses for the next two games uh, if he has fractured that cheekbone. Uh, so, you know, we go, for, I suppose, Brendan Hands in the halves. Uh, but, you know, we, we traded away our reserve halfback due to a toxic fan base. So that's fun. Yeah. And, and, and let's not ignore that, people. Like, that, that was a big part of why Jake Arthur's gone. It's. Yeah. So here we are. Um, yeah, I don't think there's too much to be extracted from going over that game, 60s. Uh, the reality is the Eels were um, competitive for 20 minutes and we know the Broncos are one of the form teams of the competition and, look, they're, they're a team that took some lumps rebuilding uh, with a, a young team and they managed to find the right pieces this year with the return of Reese Walsh, which I think is a huge part of that formula. You mentioned it earlier, 60s, but I think Walsh really... It's he's more than just the final piece. He's like the the piece that sort of branches out and interconnects other parts of the puzzle for him. Um, he has been truly special for him. And yeah, and the Eels couldn't find their X factor. They were looking for the same sort of player, and uh, that was quite you know uh, vocal well, bit of. Can the, I uh, can I give them a tip? X factors cost money. True. That's. Yeah, well, it, it's that or you're taking a punt on a young, unproven kid that has, you know, the, the hype. And unfortunately, in terms of that sort of profile scouting, the Parramatta Reels don't do that. Well, we don't have a history of paying for unproven NRL players. Like, well, we, we will go sign young prospects, but we won't pay the sort of money it takes to pry a prized uh, blue chip sort of uh, NRL caliber or plus NRL caliber player away from another team. So that's another question that needs to be asked is, do we have to just start taking some risks with recruitment? Oh, look, I just think uh, when it comes down to it, we, we, we take risks because we sign players that are fringe players and we expect Brad Arthur Dif- different, to turn Different kind of risks, I mean, yes. So I yeah, yeah. Look, no, but I, I just want to get to this, right? Because I think we're, it's time that they have to take risks but it's where we have to take risks is there are there are clubs that go out there and and the Broncos are the are the prime example, all right? Gone out there and said, you know what, Reese Walsh, he was with us before. We're prepared to stump up the money to bring him back again, and they were able to do that. They got him back. They forked out the money, got him back and he's made all the difference in the world <laughs> to them. Um, for us, I know that there's players that we've 
we've looked at that we've considered recruiting and then the decision is basically made well can we afford to play that should we be paying that sort of money and we pull back and there comes a point where if you continue to pull back and pull back and not pull the trigger on a big signing you you're never going to be doing enough to get a premiership mm-hmm. because when we when we look at like we did remarkably well last year making the grand final and probably in many other years uh, you know if you haven't got a, a Penrith side that played in that and the the way that they did in that grand final well we might have got damn close it hasn't that wasn't the greatest eels team that's ever made a grand final like it's it's arguable that 2009 was our year and 2001 was our year but you know they got to the grand final they put themselves in the big dance they gave themselves a chance but then where do you go from there well geez we like people were talking last year about the window closing because of losing all of those players. It wasn't the loss of those players that seems to have caused the window to close. It was the failure to add players in positions where we needed it badly. Mm-hmm. Like we, yeah, we got it right with Jermaine Hopgood. Absolutely. We've got a, a quality recruit out of someone who was a regular reserve grade player. But we needed, and we continue to need, a strike out wide. We, I mean, for goodness sake, we've come out publicly and said that. So what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what indeed. What are we doing? And like we said, I don't think there's anything that can change for next year unless they can find an off, sorry, a contract player to break contract, and you know that that can happen in the NRL, but you don't count on it. So we're going to go into season 2024 with the same roster, and then maybe you know one of those young kids can have a big preseason and put themselves in the mixture. But uh, yeah, there, there is a lot, a lot of water to go under that bridge right now, and. Unfortunately for the Parramatta Reels, while mathematically they can still make the finals, as we mentioned, 60s, it'll be a case of making up numbers. And even then, you've got to beat the Roosters comprehensively and then find a way to beat the Panthers by a pretty healthy margin too, which just, it's not going to happen. You know, we, we've beaten the Panthers. You know, we did that way back in round four and had a, one of the game of the years, well, a game of the year contenders, uh, but we did it by one point. And that was when we were playing great football. So, yeah, I think we're going to wrap it up there, mate. A bit over, a bit over half an hour on this podcast. So we did go over uh, the the team's effort. So well done. Yeah, and, and there's no three two ones tonight. No, no. The the three two one is every fan that went through and watched eighty minutes there. Uh, anyone that yeah. you know, dug in and, and watched that to the final whistle. Well done. And, and a huge shout out to any of the people that have travelled. To Brisbane oh, tonight. Yeah, yeah that, Watch that game. They're, they're the. Uh, I suppose they'll get the freeze comprehensively in this uh, panel here, sixties, and then twos and ones to anyone else that managed to sit through that. Because yeah, unfortunately, it uh, it was a death knell on our season, and like we said, uh, so many of those 
troubling factors coming back to congregate in one big confluence uh, to end our season. Whew, and uh, yeah, that'll do it for this episode of the Tip Sheet. Thank you guys for sticking around and listening to a couple of morose uh, dribblers having a, a real carry on today. I know that morale's pretty low, uh, but we will continue to con- or continue to, I suppose, just keep pushing forwards. I uh, got a couple of games left this season. Our Jersey Flag, who had the bye this week, they're making a push for the finals. They've got a couple of tough games ahead up against the uh, top seeded Roosters. And I think the uh, top four or top five Panthers, uh, but they are catching fire. And if they can get those two games in the bag, they'll be in the finals and I think ready to make some noise. So I suppose that's what we're hitching our wagons to now, sixties. Uh, but until well, I think they've uh, they've got a home match next weekend at Ringrose Park. Would that be right? I'll quickly have a game. The Jersey Fleek. So going. I just have it in next week. The Eels are at Ringrose on Saturday, 3 o'clock against the Roosters. So good memory there. And then they'll be well, at Blue Bet against the Panthers the following week, Saturday, 12.30pm. So plenty for them to play for. Um, this is, as we mentioned, the continuance of that SG ball winning premiership team. Uh, by and large, I think the majority of that team is now under-19s in an under-21s competition. So they're doing some real good stuff there. And like I said, we're probably hitching our wagons to them. And well, may, may will be may will be the people need to um, focus on uh, maybe us providing a, a live blog of the Jersey Flag team next weekend and uh, get behind them as they try to push for finals football because I think if they can qualify, I think that they can do some damage. Yes, our uh, the Jersey Flag team. Yeah. So. Uh, more power to them. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan, and Parramatta. It's uh, been a tough podcast if you've been listening to us all the way through to the end here. Again, we, uh, we're we feeling every bit of pain that all of you out there are feeling. And uh, it's not always easy to come on and, and try to put so cohesive thoughts together after a loss like that so our apologies if it's not been well it certainly it has been one of the tougher ones to record maybe one of the tougher ones to listen to so um onwards and upwards mate and let's hope that we can at least put on a better performance eels can put on a better performance for the home fans this coming week against the roosters